Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 209 for the 20th of Sivan in a leap year. So a question for all of the New York-based listeners, especially those of you who have been living here for a while, maybe especially if you were born and raised here in New York, when was the last time you went to visit the Statue of Liberty or the Empire State Building or maybe even Times Square? not for the sake of going to a business meeting, but just to visit and be awed by the greatness of Times Square. So I'm going to take a wild guess, and I'm going to say that probably not for a while, if ever. So it's a really common phenomenon, right, that when we live in a certain place, the tourist attractions that are here right in our own backyard are not that appealing. But yet, what sounds really fascinating to us are those things which are off in far and distant lands, like uh, the, the Taj Mahal, the Himalayas, those kind of things. And for people who live in those cities, the appeal, while they might acknowledge that there's something great about those sites, it's not going to have the same level of magnificence as it does to us from afar. So there's something about distance that really, really makes us appreciate something, appreciate the magnificence of something. Do you ever look at a painting, for example, and like you look at the painting like really, really up close and you kind of like maybe sometimes you don't even really see what the painting, what's in the painting exactly. And then you take a step backwards and you look at it from far away and you see it from a whole new perspective and you can actually really appreciate the glory of the painting. So this is the topic that we're going to be talking about today in relation to God, and specifically in relation to God as we know of him as our king, and what it means to be a king. What we, when we talk about God as our king, what is it that we're talking about exactly? And what we'll come to understand is that, is that this is exactly it, is that the whole concept of kingship is exactly the concept of otherness, of distance. So it's this weird paradoxical thing, because we know that the idea of a king is the idea of rulership. Like you really, a true king, which we, we kind of don't really have nowadays, but the true idea of a king is that there's this entity, this person who is above you and who you see as this authority figure. And it's so personal and deep to your life that it really does dictate like every single thing that you do in your entire life. But it's specifically because of this magnificence of the king, specifically because of the fact that you are not the king, that you acknowledge that there's the king and then there's you and that you guys are in very, very, very different planes. So this is what we'll learn about today. And this is the whole idea of what it means when we say that God is our king. And so I think the best way to to get into this is to get right into it, is to get into the text. So let's start. And for context, this is chapter seven. We're starting, beginning chapter seven of Shar HaYechud Vehamuna. And so the Altar Rebbe begins this section and he says that 
through this, we're going to understand that which it says in the, the Holy Zohar, the ver, upon the verse, Shema Yisrael is higher unity, and Baruch Shem Kvod Manchutol Olam Ba'ed is lower unity. So this was actually, if you remember, this was the, the very beginning of the book, that the, the Sefer of Shari Yochud Ramona, it actually started with this idea. There was like a little note at the very be- beginning of the of the book, which which said this exact statement, that in the in the Shema prayer, the first line of the Shema prayer, which is Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, which is, Hero Israel, God, our Lord, God is one. This is a reference to something called higher unity, or in Hebrew, Yehuda Ilah. And then the second verse of Baruch Shem Kvod Malchutol Olam Ba'ed, which is, Blessed is the glory of His kingship forever and ever, is a reference to something called lower unity, or in Hebrew, Yehuda Tata. And so what does this mean? So we're going to start to get into this a little bit today. So in that second part where it says, So blessed is God's glory, God's name, gloriful name and his kingship forever and ever. This word ever and ever, like eternally is the word va'ed. And va'ed in Hebrew is spelled vav, ayin, and dalad. And what's interesting about this word is it's actually the same word as echad, which means one, which was how that the first verse ended, through this idea of the substitutions of the letters. So there's, there's this like gematra, this numerical, usually used in Kabbalistic type of literature, where sometimes certain letters can be exchanged with other letters in order to uncover a deeper meaning of a certain word. And so in this case, the letter Vav, which is the first letter of Va'ed, can be exchanged with the letter Aleph, which is the first letter of Echad. The letter Ein can be exchanged with Chet, that's the second letter of Va'ed and the second letter of of Echad. And the last letter of of both Va'ed and Echad is Dalid. So in in this case, there's the... uh, the Dalid that we see in Shema Yisrael Shemun Kenu Shem Echad is actually a very large Dalid versus the Dalid that comes up in Va'ed is a smaller Dalid. So there's some kind of relationship basically where it's actually kind of saying the same thing. There's like a mirror image of these two words of Echad and Va'ed. And so why? What is this about? So the ultra is going to take us a little bit on a tangent here to come to understand this. So he says that the whole reason for the symptom for this constriction and this concealment that God did, that he hid himself within this world, he hid his vitality within the world so that the world would have a sense of existence in and of its own right, as we've been discussing it's known for all. Why, like, why did he do this? It's a known fact that he did this because the whole point of creation, why did God create the world, is in order for God to reveal his blessed malchus, his blessed kingship. And there is no king without a nation, right? So it's like, you can't have like, let's say if you, there was a guy on a desert island and he declared himself to be king. It's like, what's the good of that? <laughs> you know, or if somebody just like walks around their house and says, I am the king. I'm the, it's like, what are you king over? The whole definition of a king is that you rule over something. So you must have a nation in order to properly be called a king. A king. And now again, we're going to get into some etymology is that the word nation in Hebrew is um, and the word um in Hebrew comes from the linguistic word, linguistically comes from the word omemut, which literally translates to mean 
dimmed or extinguished. So it's like we see, for example, an example of this in a Rashi on uh, in Shoftim chapter five, verse fourteen, where Rashi describes these coals, certain coals, to be gechalim omemut. So these are like coals, basically, where it's like you don't see the fire in them. Like there's like a diminishment of the light. And so why is this? What do we mean by the facts? Like when we say that there's something about the, the nation that's diminished or extinguished, it's because the, the nation of a king, and, and in this case us, we're, we're the nation of God, the, the nation is something separate and something foreign and far away and distant from the status of the king. Because even if the king, like let's say if the king had like many, many, many children, you still wouldn't say that the king would that the king was king over his children, right? Like it's like let's say I know it is a common thing that fathers sometimes will say that they are the king of the household or whatever, but it's kind of said in a joking way because everybody knows that like a child, a father and his children, it's not a relationship of a king to his children. It's a different thing. It's a parent to a child. Like we'll see this often with like let's say uh, celebrities or or people or, or doctors or people in very high positions that everybody around them respects like really a lot but then when you talk to the children they reference their parents in very different ways they don't see them in the same light that everybody else sees them they'll refer to them a little bit more colloquially they won't call them like doctor so-and-so or you know or use all the accolades like behind their names like they'll just see them as their father it's a different kind of relationship it's a little too close to home and even let's say like the king had a lot of nobles Right. So let's say not only children, but he actually had a lot of nobles, even in relationship to these nobles. It's if if he only had nobles and there was no nation, then we still couldn't say that this is a proper king. Right. Like, let's say it's like, let's say if you have a company and you hire a bunch of employees, if you don't have any clients, it's like, what's the good of that? It's not, you know, like if if you if you're a king and you have a bunch of servants and everything like that, like that's very nice for you. But you can't properly call yourself a king unless you actually have a nation that you're ruling over because the it's because it's, it's specifically in the multitude of the king that we see the glory of the king. And this is actually a verse from Mishlei, which expresses this, which is in Mishlei chapter 14, verse 28, which says, Berov am hadrat melech. That is, it is in the multiplicity of the nation that we see the glory of the king. And so now we know that we are very big into names of God. So even though there's only one God, we refer to him as many different names because every name expresses a different aspect of God, a different attribute of God. So what's the name that we use to express God's kingship? If we want to really reference God's kingship, this is his name of his adnus. So this is, we're not supposed to say this word out loud, but it's a word that we often say when we're praying, you know, Hashem. So I say Hashem, but when we're actually davening, then we say it in like the real way, quote unquote. So this is the name of Adnus. So this name of Adnus is it, it linguistically it means master, like master of the universe. We say so this reference. This is a reference to God's kingship. So if we want to refer to God as king, we use this name of Adnus, and we find that this name, this attribute of God's kingship, and this name, this is what is bringing the world into existence and keeping it and sustaining it so that the world will be as it is right now, so that the world will have an existence of its own and that it will not be nullified in its own, in, in its source. So the fact that we have this tangible existence that appears to us as something real and something separate from God, this is due to God's 
quality of being a king. And if this quality, this quality of kingship were to disappear, were to withdraw, God forbid, then the world would revert back to its source in the speech of God and in the spirit of his mouth and would become totally nullified there. And there would be no more world at all. So that's the end of the section for today. And so just again, to recap, so what we learned today is that first of all, in order for there to be a king at all, there needs to be something not only separate from a king, but something really far away from the king. Just like it's I mentioned in the introduction, the way that we can appreciate these wonders of the world or great art or a great uh, celebrity or a great doctor or whatever it is, is by really being distant from that thing or that person. And if we're too close, we can't appreciate the thing or the person itself. So this is how it works with kingship. And so this is how it works with God. And so that in order for us to be here in this world and exist in this world and really have a sense of self and a sense of independence from God, we need this attribute of kingship. We need God as manifest through his name, Adnos, to manifest to us as a king. And if this attribute of kingship were to withdraw from the world, God forbid, even for a split second, the whole world would no longer exist and be like not a nothing and it would revert back to its source. So that's it for today. And we'll continue along these lines tomorrow. And I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow. And until then, have a great day.